Most people don't know what's holding them back, but you do because you listen to me, Sam, your self-care guru and journal junkie. Welcome to Journal Entries, your safe place where you can tune in weekly to get tips, tricks, and journal prompts to uncover your feelings, gain clarity, and make your move. Hello, hello. Today, we have such a special guest. I have been so excited for this episode to air. We have Kirsten Franklin. She is a motivational speaker, best-selling author, and relationship expert. She's made it her life mission to help people heal from toxic relationships, reconnect to themselves, and reclaim their power. She's spoken to so many organizations like way too many to even name. She's given workshops on gaslighting and manipulation. She's done presentations to teenage women on finding their self-worth. Also, she's spoken about motivating divorcees after toxic relationships and heartbreak and influencing professionals to be the change in the world that they desire. As a certified life coach, and along with her business partner and coaching professional, Tiffany Denny, who unfortunately could not make it on this episode, Kirsten developed the Relationship Recovery to be the most successful program available for healing after relationship trauma, including divorce, betrayal trauma, physical and psychological abuse, co-parenting, toxic family, and friend dynamics, and self-abandonment. They've also created the Reclaim You app as another source to help women. I think you can start to see why she is on my podcast and how incredible she is, how many women that she's helped and how much value I think that a lot of you will get from this episode. Kirsten is now happily married to her husband, TJ, and they are proud parents of three beautiful children, Luke, Gray, and Cece. She was named one of the top 10 relationship coaches transforming lives by Yahoo Finance and has been featured in Vogue, Shape, The Influential, Tech Times, and Newsweek due to her impactful work and life's mission. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for you guys to hear her. Let's get right into it. All right. Today we have Kirsten on our show. Welcome, Kirsten. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I actually was just telling Kirsten this before pressing record, but I have been following the Relationship Recovery Instagram account, which Kirsten is the co-founder of um, for, gosh, probably two years now. Um, I started following it when I was struggling in my relationship and seeking advice and also education around like narcissists and gaslighting. And I have questions about that too, but um, it just really helped me during a time where I was just seeking validation, you know? And so when I started opening up about that, I started getting questions and people asking me what to do in their own relationships. And so I reached out to Kirsten to provide her own advice and insight and knowledge and, and all of that so that you guys as listeners can take what you need from this, because I feel like relationships, you know, decisions made in relationships are so personal, right? But there are advice, pieces of advice and, you know, education that can help you get to that point. So anyways, I really appreciate your time. And I was wanting to start off just by asking you kind of how you got started and why you got started with opening up and helping women in this way. I am happy to answer that first. I just want to say 
Kudos to you for turning pain to purpose though, and opening up about your story and like what you walk through. And I know you talk about many different subjects here and, and treat this almost like a, like the journal, right. Yeah. Um, so to speak. And I love that. And I'm just saying it's, it's so inspiring to hear. I'm a little biased to women. We work with men and women, but I just think it's so cool when I see women turning pain to purpose the way that you just expressed. And so thank you for thinking of us. I'm so glad you've been a part of our community for the last two years. And it's, yeah. it's super cool. So thank kudos you. to you. That's so <laughs> awesome. So the relationship recovery started because we walked through it um, ourselves uh, and we didn't find the resources that we needed and the support and the validation and all those pieces that you were talking about. There were great things out there. So Tiffany and I met at our previous job. She had just finished a divorce and I was kind of walking through it and she'd been through a really, if you want to learn more about Tiffany's story, we, we have it out there, but she'd been through a really traumatic relationship. And it was kind of funny when we first started doing this, I would compare my story and be like, oh, yours is so bad. And yours is, yours is so <laughs> much like, how can I even like validate my own pain when yours seems so bad? Like on the check mark of like what bad is in a relationship. I was like, Tiff, you're like, you know, she'll appreciate. By the way, I, I share all of this because it's very much public. Like she shares these things. <laughs> I would never talk about somebody's relationship like that. Um, but anyway, so we started that because, you know, there just wasn't a lot of resources. And it's so funny that I, now that we've kind of brought, now that I brought that up a little bit later on, she, we, we were both kind of in therapy. We shared therapists, we'd shared notes, we'd shared resources, books, like, Hey, do you know what gaslighting is? And Hey, do you know what a trauma bond is? Cause we were trying to make sense out of what we walked through. And it wasn't until we started validating that, like each other's experiences that I was like, Oh, like just cause you had like the check marks of what's acceptable in society to call toxic. I also had these toxic elements and, oh, not just that I have that in that relationship. I also had it in all of my relationships and, oh, like generations of this and, and just really sharing those resources. So we created the relationship recovery because we didn't find a lot of that information in one place. And we also had a lot of like, okay, that's great that therapy does this and we're huge advocates for therapy, go therapy, woo. But, <laughs> um, we just didn't find that community and support and like explanation and validation. And okay, that's what do we do now? How do we move forward? And what happens when this ha comes up in our new relationships? What do I, what do I do with that? What is this called? And I think that's kind of the most powerful part about the relationship recovery, especially in the beginning, it was just validating other humans and creating community of people that had walked through similar paths and also realizing that most of us walk through a toxic relationship. I think, or, and maybe you don't want to label it toxic, but maybe a difficult relationship where there is wounding because relationship wounding and trauma happens to us all. And so that's, that's kind of how the relationship recovery came to be. Now we are, we do coaching retreats, live events online. We do we have the community, which is great, the Instagram, but it's a lot bigger than that now. We do a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. We have an app that just launched that's kind of a secret. So you get to know that. This is the first <laughs> podcast I've actually said that, but it's called Reclaim You. A lot more resources and tools. So we're just really trying to get those tools out there in every capacity that we can. 
Community is so important always. I actually did another episode on loneliness. And have you seen the fact that loneliness is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day? No, but that doesn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> yeah. So that came out like a couple of weeks ago. I'll have to um, listen to it. Yes. And so um, loneliness and is huge and community is big anyways, but I feel like for someone that's struggling in their relationship who isn't publicly sharing that like I was, you know, if they're not sharing that, they feel so alone. There is nowhere to turn, right? And so it's so easy to search on Instagram, hashtag divorce, right? Or hashtag toxic relationship, whatever it is, right. and to to stumble upon you guys, or well, now all of you guys know about this incredible resource, but to find that community is, is huge. So I think that's incredible what you guys thought to do with all of that. Well, I love that you brought up loneliness because we isolate a lot when we're in these relationships for multiple reasons. Like even after you're out, we isolate because sometimes we're embarrassed or we're like, and we shame ourselves for ever being in the relationship or you're isolating because you don't want to expose the relationship because we're in these relationships and you don't want anyone to see that because you're also protecting the partner. Typically we're pretty codependent in these relationships so you've got that element. And then on top of that, you're also protecting yourself because it comes with a lot of shame and embarrassment because it's like, oh, how did I even end up in this relationship? And now I don't trust myself. And so isolation and loneliness is such a component of these. And so I agree with you. I think the community is a huge part. So I did have a question and I'm not sure if it's a good question or not, but. Oh, there's never I... a bad question. <laughs> <laughs> I do say that. All right. I'll just ask then. So I didn't realize that my ex had traits of narcissism and gaslighting and manipulation until after we were separated, right? Like when you're in the thick of it, I didn't, I didn't see it. And I think that's what made it so hard for me to leave. And what took me so long was because I still viewed him as a good guy. Right. But as soon as I left, I felt this like weight lifted off of my shoulders and so free. And like, I could clearly see examples of emotional abuse. So my question is, can you, do you think that you could be in a toxic relationship an emotionally abusive relationship, but not be dealing with a narcissist gaslighter manipulator, or is it always like one of those three? No, I think we, the truth is, is the reason we talk about extremes is because extremes are loud, right? Like gaslighting and narcissism and personality disorder and these things and something really, I mean, you followed us for the last couple of years, so hopefully you've seen this shift, but really in the beginning of the relationship recovery, we did talk about a lot of those extremes. We still do. They're definitely out there because the truth is, is people look for those. I mean, they're kind of buzzwords at this point too. Gaslighting was the number one word last year. Oh, and wow. Um, but you don't necessarily have to have a personality disorder to be a gaslighter. In fact, I watched this really great um, reel the other day. I think it was Matthias. If you guys are familiar with him, he's a, he's a psychologist that's pretty public on like TikTok and things like that. We kind of crossed paths when we were um, working with TikTok a little bit to go over there. Like this was 
couple years ago when they were trying to do like the whole learn on TikTok thing Mm -hmm. and they wanted more people over there. So they approached us on Instagram. We're like, Hey, come, come educate over there. And now it's, there's a lot more education on TikTok, which is great. Um, but anyway, sorry, that's tangent. I also (laughs) have a little ADD. I apologize. That's real. Um, but I, I think we put a lot of emphasis that we have to have a diagnosis in order to fill validation as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, Mm -hmm. but those things can happen in all sorts of relationships. In fact, the longer we do this, the more gray, especially since I kind of get this real world, you know, sampling of what these relationships look like. There is not always a personality disorder attached to it. And there's not always these really big extremes. In fact, it's kind of, I mean, it's on a spectrum of what these relationships look like and you gaslighting and manipulation happens in relationships that don't have personality disorders it can be lots of different reasons wounded hurt people which also you could go down the whole rabbit hole that who wounding as a child um, you know traumatic childhood experiences is what creates personality disorders um if you do a lot of there's a lot of research that these are wounded people it's just typically they're not willing to do the you know, there's a willingness of, mm-hmm. or a capability. It's not always a willingness either. It's a capability. And like you said, like, I didn't see it. They don't see it either. They don't think they're the problem. So how could you ever help fix something when in your reality, there's not. So that's why it's so important that we're talking about these things so that we can hit it early because it does start in childhood. Um, but I agree with I, I just, it doesn't necessarily have to be a personality disorder. That was a great question. Cause I think a lot of people discount their experience. Cause they're like, well, but they're not a narcissist or mm-hmm. they're, and by the way, a narcissist is like never diagnosed typically. Like they're really hard to get like a diagnosis. That's why there's not a lot of support because they don't think they're the problem. Right. Because mm-hmm. and you've got that realm too, but I love that you brought that up with the gaslighting and manipulation and toxic traits and things like that. That stuff happens all the time in society everywhere. Yeah. We've all, we've probably all done it at some point, but the, the key is, is gaslighting and manipulation. Gaslighting's done with the intention of manipulating someone intentionally that you could cross over and is gaslighting something that's accidental. Could somebody be doing it? you know, lightly. Sure. There probably is that, but when we're talking about it from an abusive standpoint, which is typically what we're stand, we're talking about at the relationship recovery, there's an intention to manipulate you to do something. And that's where we cross over into an emotional, psychological abusive situation versus the everyday gaslighting, so to speak. Also mm-hmm. gaslighting to all those out there that's now made it like a term that we just throw around don't do that. We're minimizing people's experience of real gaslighting abuse. And now it's kind of become a trendy thing. Like Tiffany was on the phone with her daughter. I know I'm throwing her under the bus today. Tiff, sorry. Public, (laughs) public thing. If you're listening to this, but she has a daughter that's a young adult. And in the background, her, her boyfriend's yelling, Hey, you're gaslighting me. Or, you know, like, and Tiff's on the phone. Don't use it that way because we're minimizing real experiences, but it's become a trendy word. It's almost mm-hmm. like what, or like, I don't know, I'm, so, I'm, I'm like going to show my age or it's like, yeah. I'm not cool or like, you know what I mean? But we're using it incorrectly. And then we're, yeah. and people are also being labeled narcissists incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And then people that are really dealing with things aren't getting the support they need because now everyone's a narcissist. Right. They you think know? like, oh, it's my, yeah. my situation isn't as valid because everyone is going through this. Yes, exactly. So- 
what is a narcissist and a gaslighter? What, how would you know if you're dealing with someone that is one or both of those things? Mm. So a gaslighter is essentially a person that's psychologically manipulating another person by means of gaslighting. And what gaslighting is, it actually comes, there was a movie, I don't ask me to name the year, but it's literally comes from this movie because what he's doing is he's turning the gaslights up and down to make her crazy. So it's like crazy huh. making. So it's it's a really actually I really wish now I now I kind of want to tell you the year because of what the movie is. Um it's 1944. So that's how long gaslighting's been around. It literally stems from that movie though. It's Gaslight is the name of it and the <laughs> husband is making his wife crazy by turning the lights up and down and then telling her it's not happening. So essentially that's what gaslighting is. It's like sitting there and telling somebody that it's, you're talking them out of their own experience. Right. Mm. And people might be going, well, that's pretty obvious. Like, <clears throat> you know, somebody says, you know, you, the sky's not blue and you're staring at it. You're like, no, it's blue. I, I can see it out my window. The sky is blue. And they're like, no, it's purple, but they keep, that's an extreme example. Right but it's one to understand. And they get to the point where they're telling you this for so long that finally you're, you, you start going, is it, is it purple? Is, is the sky purple? And you start to believe that, but, and people might be going, if somebody's lying to you like that, you could easily get out, right? You can easily, but it's your partner. It's your trust. It's the person that you probably trust the most. That's, you know, there's parents and family members and friends. This is somebody close to you. It's someone that has worked their way into your life enough that you, you trust their judgment. And so you start to question things that you don't think you would question. Like, oh, maybe this guy is purple. Like I, this is someone I love and trust. They wouldn't lie to me about the sky being purple. Mm-hmm. And, and you just start to believe it. And I, I mean, again, that's a very extreme. Another way um, that you might like for me, a big one that was used on me is that I'm too sensitive. And it would, it just slowly crept into me that I've just started to question like any of my feelings or emotions could be, oh, I'm just too sensitive or, oh, you have anxiety. Like that would, that would be told to me all the time. And even though there's very real cases of anxiety, I just, it it was just to make me question myself. So then I trusted the other party. Right. Hmm. So that's a lot of what like gaslighting looks like. Do you, is there anything else you wanted to question about gaslighting? I can kind of go into narcissism and gaslighting are very different, but a lot of narcissists use gaslighting. Gaslighting is a manipulative tactic. Okay. Yeah, no, I liked that you did the obvious uh, example, but then also the real life one, because that's where I struggle is I can sense it. Like it's so easy to see from the outside almost, but then reflecting back and thinking of like, real life statements that are said to you and whatnot. So, but I feel like the, I, you're too sensitive. That was never told to me, but I feel like that's so common of like mm-hmm. something that is said to women, you know, and in, in, in relationships and whatnot. So. Well, and I think a lot of the time we view gaslighting as extremes and like, it's just small tweaks of reality, like small twists of things and perceptions and I mean, gaslighting is, it's not usually those extremes like I used with the example. The only reason I use that as an example is it's something people can grapple. Like they can go, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like I, I get like the concept, but typically it is the small things like talking. It's just essentially 
they are talking you out of your experience and your belief. And that's why it's so important that typically you have the, how to defend yourself from gaslighting is trusting yourself enough to know what's reality to you and having that self-worth and that intuition in knowing what your truth is so that when somebody tries to do that, you can say, nope, you can shut it down. But when we're in these relationships, they slowly kind of twist and turn. And that's why like really that building that relationship with yourself is the best thing you can do as like a preventative. But I mean, we all have to learn our own ways. Sometimes you have to walk through those relationships to even know that you, your, maybe your self-worth is lacking or your intuition's lacking. I know for me, it was, I thought I was the most confident. I thought I was so smart and I was ahead and like, I was like, I'm successful. And a lot of the people I work with, by the way, I remember this woman said to me, she goes, I bet you deal with a lot of weak people. And I was like, okay, first off, why do you think I own this company? So you totally just insulted me to my face. But second, I don't. A lot of the people I work with are extremely ambitious. They're extremely successful in one way or another. They're loving, they're kind. These are not weak humans that I work with. But I also think that's kind of the downfall is I think sometimes we're so big that like we're not as in touch with ourselves or, you know, there could be things from childhood where we're overcompensating or, and I don't mean that as an insult by any means. I'm just saying like, this is a really, this is where you look at yourself and say, okay, what's, why am I not in connection with myself? Why, why is my intuition off here? And it's probably wounding or things that happened in your childhood or maybe like I have a lot of time that people are like, oh, I, well, my childhood was great. I, I had so much, like, why why did I end up in these relationships? And then they start like piecing things together and like, okay, I can see it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you, once you're in one relationship, you could potentially bring that into another relationship and then it just spirals and that's what relationships are for you. Yeah. And the crazy part is, is sometimes it's not in your control. There could be epigenetic components. If you do research, like epigenetics can play a role. So like if you have generations of people that have been in these relationships, you're going to be pre-exposed, so to speak, just like, you know, you hear somebody with diabetes or something like that. There's enough research out there saying you, this stuff can be passed on genetically. Like it's crazy. Wow. I mean, you all have to read about that. I don't diagnose, treat or cure. I'm a coach, but <laughs> <laughs> right there's my there's disclaimer. my little caveat my disclaimer <laughs> yeah. announcement don't come at me so narcissism how is that different so narcissism again actually it's a great time I don't diagnose treat or cure anyone so if you are dealing with someone in your life that you think may have that it's always important to um make sure you're working with a health, mental health professional um, of some sort, if you need a diagnosis, but if you are the person that's in the relationship with someone and you think that they are, you don't need a diagnosis to support yourself. So I think that's always really important too. I think we put a lot of emphasis on, well, if they're not diagnosed, then they're not. And, but it's like, if somebody has an unhealthy behavior and abusive thing, that's enough. You don't need a diagnosis, but Mm -hmm. just to talk about it, essentially it's a mental health condition. Right. And they, and they have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. Now there are different types of narcissism, um, where it might not look that way, but everything is about them. So like you have a covert narcissist, for example, everything's about them, but it's usually like, they're talking bad about themselves and they're looking for that self-pity. And then you have like, 
the, like who we think of as narcissistic, which is that they, they think they're so great. And that's more of a grandiose narcissist. Um, I think, and I'm not getting political here. This is just a trend I noticed, but because of a president in the United States and I'm not coming, nor can I diagnose or cure, but that word was very much attached to him that people now only label narcissism attached to somebody who has similar traits as that person. Um, so it, it was very much tied to Donald Trump a lot and so people in his and that's an extreme and the truth is is people with narcissism end up in places of power because they lack empathy they don't have empathy for other people they're so intertwined and the truth is is they're really scared of being found out that they don't actually feel very great about themselves either and that's the truth they're always trying to fill themselves because they don't feel good about them on a deep level now will they typically ever tell you that no but that's what they've found as they've worked with people with narcissism. Gotcha. So when you're saying these things about the behaviors that these people have, and if you are in a relationship with one, it seems so obvious to see it as a red flag and to get out, but obviously it's not. So why do you feel like people stay in these toxic relationships? Well, honestly, there's can typically be something like a trauma bond at play and what a trauma and trauma bonds are also really miss. Mm, what do I defined often people usually. So the one that's not true is a lot of people think that a trauma bond means you both walk through trauma together and you're bonded. They take the literal like trauma <laughs> bond and they put it together. And that's actually not what a trauma bond is. The trauma bond is, essentially you're addicted to the highs and the lows of a relationship. And so it's the trauma of the relationship. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm also applying a little bit of my own like way of understanding. If you look it up, there's a chemical component to it too, but essentially I'm simplifying trauma bond, but you're addicted to the highs and the lows of the relationship. And they've actually, again, more research out there that you can go and look up, but you can compare a brain of somebody that's in a trauma bond and somebody in a drug addict with a drug addiction and they're the same. They're very similar because wow. you're addicted to the highs and the lows of the relationship. When you're in an abusive or toxic relationship, there's extreme highs and extreme lows, just like a drug addiction. You're chasing that hit. Even if you don't know that's what it is, that's what it is. And so you're used to love, so to speak, being these highs and these lows and so that's why you want to go back to the relationship. That's why most people that are in abusive relationships go back because they're addicted to it. Essentially, you're addicted to those highs and lows. So if you have somebody in your life and you don't understand why they're in the relationship, remember, there's also a chemical component. We don't judge somebody that has a drug addiction or, I mean, if you do, I mean, but typically we don't as society, we, we view addiction. We're, I mean, thankfully we've gotten to a place where we're also viewing it as a mental, you know, disorder that you're addicted to something. And there's, there's a mental component to that trauma bonds and people in toxic relationships are really no different. It's mm -hmm. now become a chemical response to that person. You're addicted, so to speak to those highs and lows. And so that's why people stay in these relationships. Also there's manipulative behaviors going on. Like we were talking about gaslighting and manipulation and things like that. 
And so they don't see it because they're being manipulated not to. So you've got very strong pieces to why people stay in these relationships and you're questioning your reality. And like you said, Samantha, you said until I was out of the relationship, I wasn't able to see it. And so if you can't get away from the relationship, then how would you see it? Right. Right. For someone who is stuck and can kind of see it, you know, and and is questioning if it's worth it to leave. I feel like that's how a lot of women think of it and maybe men, but how a lot of people think of leaving a relationship is like the pros and the cons of staying Mm -hmm. versus leaving. What do you think is the best way to figure out what to do to stay or to leave? Or is it, is it a straightforward answer or how would you guide someone through that? Well, everyone's going to be different, right? And there's other, there's lots of different components. It's, there's a saying out there that love isn't enough to stay in a relationship. There's, I mean, we're starting to talk about that more, but it's the same thing here too. It's also not enough reason to leave. And I know that sounds very strange, but sometimes like loving yourself, sometimes we struggle to leave just for that reason. I wish it was enough. It should be enough. But there's also economic components and these chemical pieces we just talked about and, you know, kids and lots of things. So that's why, you know, everyone's situation is always going to be different. So we actually have a course called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And kind of like what you said, the pros or cons. And we made that extremely, it's actually in our app. We added it into the app, the Reclaim You. So there's one way you can get it or also on our website, the Should I Stay or Should I Go? But we structured it so you can analyze it. Because a lot of the time we don't do that either. We don't like look at the whole thing and we don't validate our experience that there's gaslighting and there are abusive behaviors or there's things that are unsafe for us mentally and emotionally. I mean, obviously here we're not talking about your physical, like if you're in a relationship where they're physical and your physical safety is in, like you're in danger, then please reach out to resources. Like there's the domestic violence outline or hotline, excuse me and fadv.org and there's so many good resources out there please reach out right i mean we're talking about your life and that's a very different conversation but when you're in it and there's an emotional i mean i wish we treated our emotional health like we do our physical but emotional you have a lot more to under there's a lot more to you know separate out and work through and figure out what's your truth and what's not And thankfully, you know, you have time to do that when you're in an emotional place versus if your physical safety is online, then there's also a, there's a, you're dealing with a time bomb essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's really important that you get those resources. But if you're, if you're trying to figure it out, I, I, our class is actually our course. Should I stay or should I go structured specifically to what you're asking? Because Mm -hmm. there's a lot there, but what worth it is going to be up to you. It's what you want from your life, right? Is this, and, and and if something feels off to you, it probably is. If you're listening to this and anything we talked about today, or if you go to the relationship recovery and any of that resonates, there's a reason why it resonates and you need to, you need to pull up that string and then you need to decide, is it worth it for you or not? And by yeah. the, I mean, to be honest, we work with clients when people come in, we have a role, unless you're physically in, in harm's way, we will never tell you to leave a relationship. That's not our job. Our job is just to give you tools and resources so you can make that decision for yourself. And it's really empowering because no one can make that decision for you. 
However, I would say most people, once they connect to themselves and they start pulling at that string, they usually leave. I would say nine times out of 10, my clients end up, it's not that I'm encouraging them. It's just, they stop self-abandoning and they accept that that's not what they want for their life. And they typically end up leaving the relationship. Yeah. I've seen the quote, I guess it's not a quote, but when people say, how do you know if you should get therapy? It's like, if you're asking that question, you probably should. (laughs) Like you feel it on some level, right? Yeah. In that course too, the reason we structured it the way we did, we actually speak to the person that I mean, really it comes down to, is there a willingness in your relationship? Because there can also be these behaviors, like we were talking about, like gaslighting can happen in relationships that aren't tied to narcissism or personality disorder, but is there a willingness to change the behavior? Are they recognizing that the behavior is actually happening? Because those are kind of key pieces. If you have a partner that's like, oh, I'm sorry, like I do raise my voice and I learned it from my home and I'm so sorry. And they have real, you know, they're really apologizing and they're making really real strides to change and they're getting help and they're, you know, working with a therapist or they're doing self-work or they, you know what I mean? Like there's a willingness and a change and there's action. Then that's a very different relationship than somebody that's saying, I'm not doing that. That's your problem. Mm -hmm. That's usually a key component is, is there a willingness to change and is there action being done? So taking a step back and seeing that perspective, not just the emotions, but like actually seeing what's going on from the other partner as well and what they're willing to do. And also what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And I love that you said that because even if they're willing, is it too late? Like it's your choice. This is your life. Life is short. I mean, we talked about on the podcast the other day, like we, there were, there was someone in kind of the mental health community ended up passing away. Um, I mean, life's short. And so is this a relationship? Is this how you want to spend it? Like we have one life and this is your experience and relationships are a core component of our lives. So what are the first steps to healing when someone leaves? If they make that decision and they leave what's next? Like, how do you start that process of healing from that? Especially if there was any sort of toxicity in that relationship. So just like anything else, you're probably pretty depleted. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and treat it as such, like this was a very traumatic experience and no matter, you don't have to have all the extremes we were talking about to call that traumatic, if a heartbreak or end of a relationship, that's trauma. Like that's when a relationship ends, that's a big deal. I don't care if it was healthy reason to break. If you're feeling that your relation, like your whole world just changed. You're mourning the loss of what your future was supposed to be. You're mourning what was, you're mourning so many different things. So treat it as such. It's a loss. Treat it as a loss. Whether there was the abusive behaviors we talked about today or there wasn't, but the relationship ended for some other reason, whether that's just because you both decided it wasn't for you that's still a loss and it needs to be treated as so. And I think that's important. Also, even if you're in the relationship still, these things will still help you too. So the first thing is really making sure that you're pouring into yourself. We call it the foundations of healing because you are typically depleted. So it's pretty basic self-care, but we even take it more basic than that. Like we really hone in on just small hinges, 
swing big doors. So it might be like, you know, am I moving my body? And maybe it's not like crazy gym sessions, but it's maybe I'm walking to the mailbox, you know, (laughs) maybe I'm grounding my feet. Maybe I'm doing 10 squats, like little things. Maybe I'm journaling. Maybe I'm meditating. Maybe I'm, you know, listening to podcasts that are uplifting, but you're pouring into yourself. That's the point. Cause typically in these relationships, since we have talked about the extremes, you've totally self-abandoned your body and your mind are probably extremely depleted. So making sure you're doing good self-care practices from the beginning, but not overwhelming yourself to the point that you're shaming yourself. Cause that's something that we do is sometimes we get out and we go to extreme and then we end up back in the same situation because we went to extreme, just small things. Um, the second thing is identifying some of these wounding points. So we call it clearing the trauma or clearing our wounding, um, here at the relationship recovery. We do that through specific, you know, finding your belief systems, where were you gaslit if gaslighting and things like that were going on? Um, you know, where do these trends come from? Cause the truth is, is if our romantic relationships are typically mirrors of our childhood, I mean, or even previous relationships. So what, what's the wounding? What's the, what's keeping you there? And we talk about the three brains, our critter brain, our con our limbic system and our, um, conscious or human brain. We, and, and I'm sure you, if you're listening out there, you never heard that. If you Google three brains, there's lots of different theories and words, but essentially it's your subconscious brain. Why are you doing this? Because you believe you're safe because it's probably all you know are those relationships. So we try to help change some habits when it comes to relationship. And we do this here at the relationship recovery through our coaching or anything we do, our courses, anything we offer is all built on this component. And then the third is moving on. You have to have a mile marker where you're going. You know, you, you have to dream a little again. You have to really start identifying what you want so you can move towards it, but also not boxing yourself into the point that that's the only way you can find happiness because life's a journey. And so that's a key component too. That's great. Do you have any words of wisdom for someone going through a divorce that's like in the middle of it, or maybe it just ended their divorce and is you know, I feel like your Instagram alone is words of wisdom. I, I share all of like the uh, quotes that you have. I feel like, yes. Um, but yeah, do you have any words of wisdom of like, what would you say or what was the most helpful thing for you? You know, honestly, sometimes I think sometimes when we say this, it's almost like when you're in it, you're like, you want to slap the person that says it to you, but I still can't <laughs> come up with a better thing. I mean, I think rely on the stories of people that have gone before you. And I think that's what the relationship recovery is, is we're just two women that went through it and we're just a few steps ahead. And now we even have more community and clients and we love having our community because now there, we might be like 10 strides ahead. And now we've got people that are only two strides and, you know, those type of things. But what I mean by slapping, why I would want to slap this person is sometimes when people say like, oh, this will be worth it and you'll be so much happier and you'll see, and you know, you'll come out the tunnel. That's great. And I think you should still believe that, but also look at all these people that have gone before you. And what I mean by that is you can turn pain to purpose. My divorce at the time, it was really hard, right? Like when you're in it, it's hard. Like I was, I was devastated. I mean, I had a child with my ex and I, that wasn't what I had planned. And if I get really into it, like it was part of my salvation, like with, with the belief system that we had, like, 
we were supposed to be together forever and we we had god part of like there was a god part to it like it was a huge loss on lots of different levels um for this relationship to end and it was very traumatic but oh my gosh it led to those broken pieces led to so much more and i would just tell that person to hold out for the more start looking for the more because those broken pieces will end up being so much better i ended up in a way better relationship with another person in a better marriage. And I would say actually, because I walked through that, I appreciate his goodness more than I think I would have, if I would have found him in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have without walking through that because I had to do the self-reflection, but more than that, I mean, we've, I'm really grateful for my partnership now, but I also have this understanding that if something ever did happen, I would be okay. There was a lesson that came through like my world crashing that I can go through the world crashing and get back up too. And I also have beautiful children and more things came out of that. And I'm so grateful. There's this community, the relationship recovery, my, my life mission came out of it. And maybe yours won't be as like A to B is mine. Like you, you I mean, if you want to go create something like it, more power to you. But my point being is that pain of purpose, it will become something that you can build from. Like we rise from the ashes. I mean, how great is it that we get that? There's a reason why we're built that way. And so I would just tell you to keep going and that I promise you bigger things come from it. And honestly, my best thing, even though I just said all those really cool things is my relationship (laughs) to myself. I didn't have a relationship with myself because I was so in the midst of trying to make other relationships work that I didn't know who I was. And it, it, provided that opportunity because I had to figure out who I was. So I wouldn't repeat. That was my big thing. I was like, I'm not repeating this again. And I'm grateful for that. That's incredible. That was just lots of words of wisdom. And I just, <laughs> sorry, I'm really I lost. soak it all in. No, I love it. <laughs> Susan, thank you so much. We, we of course missed T- Tiffany today, but you are truly such a light for women who are struggling and a light in general. And I appreciate the community that you have created. So thank you for all that you do and for speaking to my listeners today. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's journal entry. I love connecting with my listeners. So make sure you screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at samantha.s.says so I know you're listening. And don't forget to grab your free training and journal prompts at www.samanthapenkoff.com forward slash podcast.